0: Now, it is time for our latest instalment of Townlands in Focus. We're joined once again by the local historian and author Colm Liddy. And last time out, Colm really opened our eyes to the history, I would suggest, um, unknown history of Ballycar. This time, his focus will be Ross and uh, Ma- Ross Manaher, I should say, and Colum is in studio now. Good morning to you, Colm. Morning, how are you? Very well, thanks very much for coming in. Um, so, I mean, we love chatting with you because you uncover these little historical factoids and nuggets that... A lot of us wouldn't know about. And you know when you were talking about Ballycar, like its connections with fill in it and all sorts of fantastic stuff like that and the President as well. Really curious to hear uh, about Ross Manaher. So I suppose first of all where exactly in Clare is it? Uh, you know, where where is it near? What is it generally known sure. for?
1: well it's in Six Mile Bridge it's, uh, you'd say the bottom left hand corner of it. Um, it's extremely flat and fertile farmland because it's quite close to the River Shannon there and that has just made it so, for most of its history, it was owned by one family called the De family. They, um, they came in on a boat, literally, um, just after Cromwell. People, when we talk about Cromwell, we usually think of the massacres. But actually, more significant was the massive transfer of land. And at that point, it was taken from the Catholics and given to Protestants. Now, interestingly, in Six Mile Bridge, quite a few of those new boys were Dutch people, um, not English or Scottish, but Dutch. Um, the Dutch like, were a very dynamic race during the 1600s. They they were exploring the world in their ships and they had all the best painters. They pretty much invented modern banking. But quite a few of them came to Ireland and to Six
0: Mile Bridge. And what, um, can I ask you, what was the connection there with uh, the, the English? It was just that I suppose there were warm relations between the two countries were, as colonial well, powers?
1: or Well, you know what? It's a sideline, but it's the thing the English never talk about. Effectively, they were reverse taken over by Holland during that century. Of course, King Willy. King Willy, exactly. Yeah. He's a Dutch guy. I mean, the, the main qualification is they were Protestant.
0: <laughs> They're all right <laughs> by us. And they were,
1: no, but really, like they were very dynamic people and like so clever, yeah. and they came over here. They made Six Mile Bridge into an industrial town. They put up a, a, a factory to make um, rapeseed oil, leather, shoes, loads of stuff started happening. There was actually barges coming from Amsterdam and going upriver to Six Mile Bridge during that time, as well as traffic to Limerick and whatnot. But it was, it was vying with Ennis to be the um, the biggest town in Clare.
0: Wow. Okay. Um. So, where where do we begin then with what people might know about Ross Manoher, Right. what well, they should do? Ross Manoher at that point was taken
1: over by one of the entire townland was owned by one of these Dutch families called the De Stair family and um, they, one of their most famous sons that came from there was John De Stair. Um he made national news in 1815 when he challenged Daniel O'Connell to a duel with pistols now it was absolutely uh, on a ridiculous pretext at that time, this is 13 years before Catholic emancipation Daniel was already famous for being an incredible lawyer. Just, he was running rings around the establishment, winning all the cases, and it was quite obvious that this guy was going to be a pain in the neck in the future. And since they couldn't think of a a reasonable way to get rid of him, they had done this before. Get somebody with a good shot to challenge your man to a duel. If he refuses, he can never be taken seriously again. And if he participates, he's gonna be dead. You know. So it was nice. And basically this John Stare guy, he was a member of Dublin Corporation, and when Daniel said of Dublin Corporation that it was beggarly, your man decided to take offence. He goes down to the fore courts and walks into the lobby with a horse whip and said, Where's Daniel O'Connor? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Wild West or So, something. like gentlemen, it yeah. was it was agreed to put the matter to a duel out on the bishop's lawn in Kildare. And on the day in question, they both arrived and your man was so cool, John Dostoehre, he was twirling his cane nonchalantly. Fully as,
0: expecting victory. Fully expecting, <laughs> as did everybody.
1: Yeah. So it came to the moment. They had their pistols. They were put 10 yards apart. And at the signal, the signal from the referee was he dropped his handkerchief. And when he did, Dostoehre took one quick step to the left, one forward and shot at Daniel and missed. He hit the ground at Daniel's feet and Daniel, half a second later, took his shot, aiming, he said, just to wound him and hit him in the thigh. Um, and that, your man was alive. But then two days later, he actually died and Daniel felt terrible about it. He, From then on, he was a religious man. When he went to Mass from then on, he always wore a black glove on yeah. the hand that had done the fatal deed. And as for the family... He, your man, of course, left a widow and children. Daniel looked after them, and legally speaking, he, a few years later, took a case on their behalf
0: and won them £10,000. So, you know, he, he really... Okay. So the, the great liberator was uh, a dab hand with a pistol, but also a man, and we're not surprised here, of, of deep conscience. Did the family forgive him? Or I suppose at that time they understood a duel was the done thing? It was their... Family um, member who had called the duel and had lost fair and square. Absolutely, there, there would never be
1: legal action
0: at that time. You
1: know, it, mm. it was of course murder by law, but there was no question of, of taking the matter further. It was accepted, and from then on, Daniel, it was understood, was a brave fellow who had. You know, and he he was never really challenged again. You know, because yeah. so well.
0: obviously he could handle himself. Well, I suppose, Colin, from our our, our selfish uh, self-interest uh, as a nation, for everything he went on to do, we're glad he won that duel. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, really interesting story. We'll move on then and tell us about this controversial bridge. Well, uh,
1: the Gasteras, one might say, were an irritating family, and none more <laughs> so than um, I should say that quite a few of them were called Henry. So I've actually ca- called this one Henry the Fourth. Henry the Fourth. To stair, built a bridge and what it was was he at this stage he had property in Ross Manor property in Limerick and it was such a hassle for him to have to drive around via Six Mile Bridge so he planted his own little bridge on his own land across that river which flows to Six Mile Bridge and um, he therefore destroyed The industry in Six Mile Bridge Um, you could no longer navigate up the river because this bridge was quite low. It wasn't possible to get these barges from Amsterdam. They couldn't get under anymore and so on. Now obviously a delegation came out from Six Mile Bridge and said War? what are you doing? Yeah. Gunshots. He got his own little military and they cleared anybody who came to object.
0: But was he even aware that he was destroying local industry by
1: doing this? Didn't or did he not care? It, did not give a damn. And you know what? Six Mile Bridge took a century to recover. I mean, it went from being the second biggest town in Clare to being the 13th. It absolutely went into a tailspin. And it, it really was... <laughs> you can see the bridge. It's still there today. It's on the back road between Cratlow and yeah. Six Mile Bridge. The bridge is there and it has a plaque saying erected by Henry de Stair at his own expense <laughs> thanks <laughs> Henry <laughs> thanks for nothing yeah. and there's even a toll bridge because to cross it he expected you to pay, you know, if on foot, you know. So, uh,
0: got a nerve, like, he expects you to pay, but you've got less money in your pocket because he's just ruined your livelihood by building the bridge in the first place. That's right. That's well, right. what a piece of work. Okay, the bridge and uh, Henry IV. Um, we'll move on from that to an eviction, sadly not an eviction of Henry IV, there. No, now we're moving on to Henry V. And <laughs> All <right>. This lad
1: <laughs> is now around the time of the land war. So there's a local man called John Frost. He has a wife and 11 children in his fairly small house. And he feels the rent is too high. And that's fine. He's not paying it. So Henry, of course, gets the constabulary to evict him. So on this day, they know there's going to be trouble. They bring up 100 constables from all over, you know. But as they're getting together, the alarm goes up amongst the peasants of of Clare. The church bells start ringing in Six Mile Bridge. money. New Newmarket Kilkishan all around South East Clare hmm. the church bells are ringing and when the constabulary arrive about 100 of them there's over 2,000 people standing all around this cottage to not let them in Wow! now the stairs on the scene he's more like get in there <laughs> and of course a baton charge is eventually and there's heads being broken and indeed one of the constables is badly injured in the melee the stone's been thrown an absolute chaos and eventually they get in as far as the cottage. And what they find is the door is open, but there's this massive wrought iron gate has been placed across it, and it's, it's all these chains on it, and then they appear inside. The parish priest, the six-mile parish priest called Robert Little, has chained himself to this gate and is inside, and there's boulders everywhere, and it's a, just a massive thing. Now, most of these constables are, are Catholic men themselves, who do not want really to be interfering with the priest. But of yeah. course, de Stair drives them on. And they try, but it, but ultimately it ends at failure. The eviction has to be cancelled. And um, for a while, it seems like a massive triumph. Everybody, all the peasants just march into Six Mile Bridge. They're so happy. One month later, de Stair gets together now, a military crowd of actual soldiers. And these guys arrive... By train into Cratlow and they cross the fields. They don't use any of the roads. <laughs> by they stealth. walk across the fields. <laughs> and they arrive at 6 a.m. at John Frost's house. Of course, they evict him. No one's around to help him this time. And not only that, but they then proceed to demolish the house until there is a flash pile of stones. Yeah. that's the end of that I,
0: uh, particular one I've never met them but I already immensely disliked the Stairs <laughs> okay we <laughs> move on from that uh, tell us uh, uh, what, what have buried gold and Ross Manaher got in common God? well this
1: belongs more shall we say to the world of um, folklore you can look it up there's a lot of great folklore as you know available online it was from a, a schools collection that was hmm. done in 1937 but several people have told of the fact that there was a Captain de Stair, somewhere along the line who was in trouble and he went to his coachman and ordered him to fill the carriage with all his gold and all his silver and with a single pistol. And when he did, they drove across um, South East Clare to a place called Monofola Bog. And they went to the bog hole and parked up beside it and threw your man through de Stair through all his gold and silver down to the bog hole. Then he got the coachman to come out And he shot him with the pistol and put him down into the boggle as well, telling him to guard that gold for eternity. And so that's where it lays. no, I can see, I can just see you're thinking the minute after this radio show, you're going to go out
0: down there and look for... Sh- no, I was just thinking, just after I said I did immensely dislike the stairs. they go and shoot some poor fella and throw him in on top of their massive well. My God, this is some family.
1: Yes, well, first of all, were you to go there now today? I mean, it does exist, this bug, but first of all, you need wellies, obviously. But secondly, <laughs> uh, all the tellers will tell you that if you go there, you will be attacked by the ghost of the um, coachman. Has anyone
0: you know. tried to? Get oh, this yeah, well, very I'm you,
1: numerous times, and they invariably, or sometimes maybe, a black dog, a ghostly back dog might attack you. So it's really not worth it.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's any faint uh, uh, thoughts I had about trying to retrieve that gold just gone. (laughs) I don't like ghosts. Um, That absolutely fascinating stuff there in relation to Ross Manor. It just shows you uh, how much history can be attached to um, the smallest of places. And just before we let you go, Colm, uh, you obviously we had you on to chat about your brilliant book on Nan Hogan and you've got uh, a slideshow uh, and talk coming up in relation to Nan and her leadership of on Naman and Clare and uh, everything else besides.
1: That's right. Well, I mean, I just think with Nan Hogan, there's, of course, the fascinating history of C'mon, Naman and Clare. I think that, honestly, there could have been no war of independence without these women, but then secondly, there was the fact that in the Civil War, she was jailed in Kilmainham at a time when it was reserved for women only. So she just came into contact with amazing people such as Maud Goughan, Dorothy Macardle, and um, Grace Gifford Plunkett was her cellmate, the, the, the tragic bride of 1916. But anyway, the book is filled with pictures and photos of all kinds. So I've just done a slideshow of them and a talk. So I'll be doing it in three places over the next few weeks. Um, in Newmarket GA Clubhouse, in the Banner Bookshop um, in Kilrush and also in the Temple Gate um, in Ennis it's part of the Ennis Book Club Festival so those are over the next few weeks
0: brilliant okay and the dates for those are Tuesday the 21st of February at 8pm in Newmarket on Fergus GAA Clubhouse Sunday the 26th of February at 3pm in Banner Books in Kilrush and then on Saturday the 4th of March at uh, 4 o'clock uh, at the Temple Gate Hotel in Ennis that's part of the Ennis Book Club Festival it's free but it is a, a ticketed event and you can get them online at the website or from the Glora Box office so always a pleasure. You really do open our eyes uh, to uh, some fantastic uh, historical stories and uh, tales and uh, you've certainly opened our eyes to the awfulness of the distairs. Um, <laughs> we're certainly their descendants. If there's any of them still living in Ross Manor, here, you're all lovely, but just some of your, your predecessors don't sound like great examples of human deeds. Uh, thank you very much for being in studio with us and we're looking forward to seeing uh, where you turn your focus towards for our next Townlands in Focus. Perhaps even uh, suggest them to Cullum if, if you think there's a townland out there in Clare that has a, an interesting history. Let us know about it. Oh, it's